This is the Cancer Radio Network. Coming up on this episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast, presented by Coloplast. Being able to to connect with people who've gone through what you're going through, I think is so important. Um, and so that's that's what I would say is like, you know, find that group of people. And with with the way the online world works, like it is, I mean, they're there. And, um, and so that would be my, you know, my words of advice is, is have that support system um, that, can, that can help you with the mental aspect of a cancer diagnosis. Welcome to the Colon Cancer Podcast presented by Coloplast, offering stories of information, inspiration, and hope to those affected by colorectal cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein. Welcome to episode 67 of the Colon Cancer Podcast presented by Coloplast. You know, one of the things that's uh, that you struggle with as a podcaster is it's just you and the microphone, and we don't get the chance too often to meet and connect with uh, all of the great people the, that listen to the show and even the people that I have the honor and privilege, and I certainly consider it to be both of those things, an honor and a privilege, uh, to interview on the show. You know, we get to see each other through Skype or hear each other through Skype, and that's about it. And I look forward to the opportunities when they come uh, to when I do get to meet some folks. And I had that opportunity last fall at the uh, Stage 4 Symposium out in Mesa, Arizona. And one of the people I was so thrilled to meet was Cherie Garcia. And you can hear Cherie's uh, interview on the show if you go to the colon forward slash zero two six. And I just wanted to give a little shout out to Cherie and tell her that we love her and we're thinking of her and we love your smile and carpe diem, sweetie, carpe diem. We're thinking about you. If you have an ostomy and are experiencing leakage, that is not normal and you don't have to live with leakage. Feeling secure is important to be able to do the things you enjoy without worrying that you may have to deal with an embarrassing leak. Skin-friendly Brava Elastic Barrier Strips from Coloplast are designed to prevent the edges of your barrier from lifting and help to keep your barrier securely in place. They are elastic and are designed to move with you as you bend and stretch. The innovative Brava Elastic Barrier Strips from Coloplast are a skin-friendly alternative to tape and are available for you to try today. Don't let leakage rule the day. Call one 855 430-9500 today to receive a free sample of Brava Elastic Barrier Strips. Uh, events going on that I want to share with you around the country in the colon cancer community uh, coming taking place uh, over the next uh, four or six weeks or so. We've got coming up a fashion show event, and this is taking place on Wednesday, May the 23rd from 11.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. in California, out in Atherton, California, at Menlo Park Circus Club. This event is known as Inside Anne's Closet. It's a fashion show and luncheon event where the proceeds will be benefiting the Colon Cancer Alliance. 
And then as we turn the, the calendar over to the month of June, there is a Rock and Roll Marathon race series taking place in San Diego. That is coming up on June the 3rd. Uh, we've talked a lot about the Rock and Roll Marathon series a uh, great opportunity to get your run on and help uh, benefit colon cancer research. And then the next stop for the colon cancer undie run walk is in Portland, Oregon, taking place on Saturday, June the 17th at the Old Spaghetti Factory. Uh, I know this this is the first undie run walk since our dear friend Nate Allen passed away, and I'm going to venture a guess here that uh, they'll be doing a little something there to honor our dear friend Nate's memory. So for our folks out in Portland, hope you can join us for that Undie Run Walk. And then going up the West Coast, the next day, Sunday, June the 18th, the Rock and Roll Marathon Race Series uh, visits the great city of Seattle. And then the following weekend on June 24th, our good folks out in Denver, Colorado, that's the next stop for the Undie Run Walk, the 5K Run, One Mile Fun Walk. Uh, that is taking place at City Park, again, in Denver, Colorado, on Saturday, June the 24th. And also on the same day, for the folks in uh, K, South Carolina, is an event called the Terminators uh, and this is an untimed uh, fun run uh, taking place uh, on the Timmerman Trail. For more information on all the events I just covered with you, just visit the Colon Cancer Alliance website at ccalliance.org forward slash events. If you have an ostomy or are undergoing chemotherapy, you know at times it can be a struggle to stay hydrated. That's where H2ORS can help. H2ORS is an oral rehydration solution, which is an over-the-counter electrolyte drink mix for dehydration. H2ORS is a medically accepted alternative to IV hydration. So for those of you who are struggling to stay hydrated due to an ostomy or chemotherapy, H2ORS can help replenish your fluid and electrolyte levels. It has three times the electrolytes of most sports drinks without the excess sugar, artificial flavors, or artificial colors. If you would like to try a free sample of H2ORS, go to h2ors.com sample and they'll ship one out to you. No strings or hidden costs attached. Also, when you make your first purchase at h2ors.com, if you use the code CCPOD, you will get 10% off your first order. I want to take a minute, and I do this every so often, to remind you of some of the great online support resources that are available to you. Um, and what I'm referring to are the various group chats, online virtual chats that are available to you through the Colon Cancer Alliance website. I know when I was first diagnosed uh, back in 2011, this was uh, the first thing that I stumbled upon. And I will tell you, I don't know how I would have gotten through uh, all of my uh, journey. Um, you know, I remember at one point uh, through one of my recurrences, actually sitting there on my iPad and participating in the group chat while I was laying in my bed at Memorial Sloan Kettering. And it's just a great opportunity to connect and uh, and get support from folks that know what you're going through and know what you're experiencing. When I first started it, uh, Jeannie Moore w 
was running just the one chat a day, the daily chat, and it's now expanded out to several different chats covering different topics. And let me go through the, the list that's there for you. For those of you who are newly diagnosed or have some specific questions around managing your side effects, you can jump on the daily chat uh, we, we started a few, we started 30 minutes early to handle those questions for those of you who are newly diagnosed and those of you who have questions specifically around side effect management. So that's Monday through Friday at 1130 AM till noon. Uh, and those are Eastern times. And then right after that, we roll into the, the daily chat and this is open to really everybody, anybody that's been touched by colorectal cancer. This is for patients, survivors, caregivers, etc. Uh, it runs from noon to 1 Eastern Time. We have a, gr a group chat uh, specifically t targeting uh, those folks like myself who are classified as Stage 4. Our Stage Forum uh, chat and friendship uh, connection group uh, meets online Tuesday evenings from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, for those of you that are uh, needing some help managing peace after the loss of a loved one, we do have a My Pal Grief Chat. That one takes place on Wednesday evenings from 7 to 8 p.m. And then we certainly can't forget, I know I don't know how I'd be where I, where I am today without the love and support of my beautiful wife. We can't forget our caregivers. We do have a chat specifically for our caregiving community. And that one takes place on Thursdays from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find out about all of these chats and log on to them. Uh, find out if you've ever done a group chat. Get the ins and outs and know what you're getting into. I don't say that in a way to, to, to scare you. Uh, there's nothing to be afraid of. Uh, like I said, it's, uh, I made many friends through this. Uh, through these online chats. But for all the information and to log on to the actual chats, visit the Colon Cancer Alliance website at ccalliance.org. Once you're there, just click on the button that says Get Support and then click on where it says Group Chat and you'll have all the information you need at your fingertips for that, uh, for those uh, regular scheduled chats. I want to welcome and say thank you to our newest sponsor, Exact Sciences, manufacturer of Cologuard. Cologuard is the first and only FDA-approved, non-invasive, stool DNA-based colon cancer screening test. It's for patients 50 and older at average risk of colon cancer. Cologuard is shipped directly to you where you can provide a sample in the comfort of your own home and ship it back to the lab, postage prepaid. Cologuard is not for everyone. It is not a replacement for diagnostic or surveillance colonoscopy in high-risk individuals. Any positive result should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. Cologuard is available by prescription only. Ask your doctor if Cologuard is right for you. Find out more information by visiting their website at cologuardtest.com. My guest this week is Dave Bell. Uh, Dave uh, makes his home in Louisville, Kentucky, and he is the driving force behind the Colon Cancer Prevention Project. You can learn more about uh, Dave's efforts and what he's doing with that by visiting the website. Uh, just type in kickingbutt.org, and it'll route you to the Colon Cancer Prevention Project. Uh, Dave is a great follow online. You can find Dave uh, on Facebook. You can find him on Twitter at, at Hey Dave Bell. 
Hey Dave Bell, and he's on Instagram under the same handle, Hey Dave Bell. And if you have uh, been around Instagram, just look for the guy that's always rocking the awesome bow tie. That's how Dave has branded himself. Uh, we joked all about that a little bit during our conversation. But Dave is doing amazing work terrific advocacy work. He's been very involved in uh, state government up there in Kentucky. Um, and if you keep an eye on his uh, Instagram account, you'll see lots of posts of him him and, and the bros, as he refers to it, his, uh, his boys, uh, who he refers to as the bros, uh, his boys. So the, he may, he's, a, he's a great follow online, a lot of fun. But more importantly, he's doing just terrific, terrific work. And I'm eager you to, for you to jump in and listen to my conversation with Dave Bell. Dave, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm great, Lee. Thank you very much. I'm so glad we were able to connect. Uh, You've been a great follow online. You and I were kind of kicking that around before uh, we started recording, but uh, it's it's a privilege to get to have you on the show. Well, thank you very much. I was when I got the email, I um, I was actually pretty giddy. I have to admit, (laughs) I I sent a text message to a couple of. Friends, I was like, Lisa Orstein contacted me. It's my greatest day ever. <laughs> oh goodness! <laughs> uh, well, uh, I'm you know anything I can do to help uh, spread the message that we all know needs to be spread, and more importantly, share inspiring stories like yours. Uh, you know that's why we do what we do. Yeah. So with that, let, why don't we start there and tell us how you came to be connected with uh, colon cancer? Yeah. So um, so I think it was around um, April. On April fourteenth, fifteenth of twenty fifteen, I um, I woke up. It was a it was like a Saturday night. I woke up in the middle of the night. It was a Friday night. It doesn't matter. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night with with terrible stomach cramps, just terrible. And being a dude, you know, I was like, oh, I probably need to poop. I mean, that was my initial thought. So I you know I go downstairs, I go to the bathroom, and uh, you know nothing happens. But I'm just in intense pain, and uh, and so I. You know, I, I lay there until like 7 a.m., so like five or six hours, just in terrible pain. And so I have a family friend who's a doctor um, and called her and said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm having really, really bad stomach cramping. She was like, well, why don't you go to the ER and uh, just get checked out? So I drove, my, I drove myself to the ER, and, uh, and you, know, they, they, you know, they looked over me. They did a, um, an ultrasound, and they were like, we think it's your gallbladder. Um, and, uh, and they gave me a bunch of pain medication and sent me home. And so I, uh, went home and that was, that was Saturday, went home. And then over the next 24 hours, I took every single pain med they had given me and, um, it was just still in excruciating pain. So I called my, called her family friend again and she was like, well, I'm going to come over. So she came over uh, to my house and, uh, you know, and started, you know, you know, doing a workup in our, you know, in the spare bedroom. And she goes, this is not your, this is not your gallbladder. I need to get you, I need to get you to the hospital like right now. So, um, so got me to the hospital and, um, a downtown, like a trauma center hospital. And so come to find out my appendix had ruptured, um, at some point, um, during when I went to the ER and in that day. And so they, you know, did a, did a seat, my first CT scan and, and, you know, appendix was ruptured, you know, rushed me into surgery and removed my appendix. And then, you know, I was, I mean, I, I mean, I feel like I wasn't in the hospital that long, maybe a day, 
you know, I feel like I, you know, I was just sort of home fairly quickly. Um, and, uh, and so, so later that week I started getting phone calls from the surgeon that treated me. And I thought it was one of those courtesy calls like, Hey, how are you doing? You have any questions? So I ignored it. I was just like, let me go to voicemail. And this was like on Wednesday. So I kept calling Thursday, more phone calls Friday. Finally on Friday, I call, I answer and, uh, and she goes, uh, Hey, would you be available to come in to my office on Monday? And I was like, yeah, I can. and doctors never invite you over for good news was my thought at that point. And so I hang up with her and I call the family friend who's a doctor and said, Hey, they want me to come in. And she said, well, if you let, if you give me permission, I'll look at your records and call you back. And I was like, yeah, do that. So, you know, hung up, you know, 15, 20 minutes later, she calls back and she's like, are you sitting down? And I was like, no. And she, Uh-oh. yeah. And she goes, she goes, you've got, you've got colon cancer. And I, mean, I, I think, you know, you being a survivor, like I think I'm about to cry right now thinking of like, I remember that day so vividly. And at that point, you know, I've got, I've got three boys. So I've got a six year old and twin four year olds. At that point, the twins were two, um, or, you know, right around two and, and, and Sam, my oldest was four. And, and I just thought was, I'm going to die. Like I want to die of cancer. And, um, and so that's how, that's how I got initiated into the, the, the colorectal world. And so, uh, appendiceal cancer, colon cancer. And, um, and so, and do you want me to talk about like what happened after that, like the treatment or anything or, I didn't realize it was appendiceal cancer yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's what caused that's what caused my appendix to rupture. It was eaten up with cancer, um, and then it was a pretty rare. It was pretty. It was a pretty rare form of cancer. So that's I mentioned in a, in our earlier discussion um, before we got on uh, about going to MD Anderson because they it's a rare form of cancer and they they happen to specialize in the type of appendiceal cancer I had. So. I see. And what's your current state right now? So, um, as of, as of my last, um, you know, CT scan in January, late January, I have no evidence of disease. And so, um, after, after my diagnosis, they, um, they waited, um, a few weeks for me to recover and then went in and did a colon resection. So they removed half my colon and my lymph nodes, um, down there in my abdomen and they were all clear. And the, the major concern was because my appendix ruptured. And so, um, you know, the, my surgeon felt like the margins were good on, you know, on the, the colon resection, but they were concerned because I, in theory, my entire abdomen was contaminated with cancer cells and which, which is still something that worries me because, um, you know, you don't, you don't know what's growing in there. Sure. But, uh, so right now, no evidence of disease and that's, that's what we all aspire to. That's exactly right. Yeah. I was very happy to hear that in January and we, we talked a little bit about scanxiety and when I went down to MD Anderson, that was, you know, the concern of mine of, you know, you know, something growing in there, if they miss something. And so what they did at MD Anderson, they just changed my, the frequency of my, um, of my visits. And so I get, I get two colonoscopies a year, I get blood work once a year. And then I was doing one scan a year, but they upped that to two scans a year. And they want to follow me till I'm seven years out instead of five years out. 
So. I see. Yeah. So being the parent of little ones, how did you and your wife agree that you were going to explain to them as best you can what was going on with dad? Yeah, you know, that's um that that is a that's a really good question and a tough one because they were so small. So the twins, I didn't let the twins come see me in the hospital. Um Sam did. Um and Sam was more intrigued with my scars, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, of course. And so and so you know, when I finally, you know, checked out of the hospital, I'd lost a lot of weight and that was one of my symptoms that I'd missed. I didn't know that unexplained weight loss was a symptom of colon cancer. I didn't, I mean, I didn't know what any of the symptoms were to be honest with you. Um, and so, you know, I'd gotten down to like 135 pounds. I mean, I'm, I'm five ten, and I'm not, I'm not a big dude by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, I probably need to be above 150 pounds at the least, you know? And so <laughs> I, I had gotten pretty, uh, pretty skinny looking. And so, you know, and I, I, you know, tube up my nose down into my stomach. I had other, tubes and hoses and other orifices of my body. I mean, I just didn't. And so I didn't, I didn't let Sam see me like that, but he got to come see me. I think the day before I checked out, um, and I've got a picture of him at the hospital with me and I look, I, you know, I look like myself again. Um, and that was after my colon resection and things like that. So, uh, and so he knows, you know, he knows that I can't, you know, that I was diagnosed with cancer. I don't know that he fully understands what it is. Um, you know, he knows I had stomach problems and I had to have surgery. The twins are oblivious. I mean, they don't even, you know, I haven't, I haven't brought it up with them because they don't, you know, they don't know. They're four. They have no idea. Sure. <laughs> so how did this personal experience uh, transform into your life's work? Yeah. So I, um, so I, I had a 21 year career with the YMCA. And so my background was in nonprofit work and I started with the Y soon after college, it wasn't intentional. It just sort of, I just sort of fell into it. Um, but you know, I'd done really well with the Y and moved up and I was an executive director and moved around the country. I'd been in Virginia, was in Raleigh for 10 years, Charlotte for a couple and then Seattle for a couple. And then, um, and then moved to Louisville and was here the last four years. Um, and that's where I was, I was the executive director of the downtown Y in Louisville, Kentucky, um, when I got diagnosed. And so, and so after, you know, after I got diagnosed, I'm laying there in the hospital bed and I remember this vividly. And I was like, man, if I'm going to die of cancer, cause I was still thinking I'm going to die of cancer. Um, I'm like, if I'm going to die of cancer, I, this is not what I want to be doing. And it wasn't a bad job. Like I, I liked the Y and it had been, you know, it'd been great and, um, you know, it fit my personality but it just wasn't as fulfilling as I thought it should be. And so I remember laying there in the hospital bed thinking, I need to find something different to do. And so my, you know, my background is in nonprofit work and fundraising and things like that. So I thought, you know, I'll find some organization that, you know, I was thinking probably a smaller organization than the Y and I would just give myself to that. Um, and so I waited a year, um, after my diagnosis and then I started looking in early 2016 and so one of the first jobs I saw was a development director for the colon cancer prevention project in Louisville, Kentucky. And so I sent in a resume and didn't hear anything. And so I called them and I said, Hey, I sent in a resume and just wanted to check on the status of it. And so a consultant, they had hired a consulting firm to do the search. And, and she said that, Oh, we got your resume. We thought you were overqualified. Um, and we just, 
we just we just ignored it basically and uh, and I said well I'm a colon cancer survivor like you don't put that on your resume normally um, right. yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly and I said well I'm a colon cancer survivor and this this would be a very meaningful work to me and she goes well let's have coffee so I said okay so we went to coffee and so during the during the conversation she said hey um, I'm probably not supposed to say this but um, the the present CEO of the organization might be leaving and we'll be doing that search. If that happens, would you be interested in that job? And I was like, well, yeah, like that would be great. Um, and so, so sure enough, you know, she, she turned it, she did an amazing job and, but she turned in, um, she was a pa- parent of, uh, you know, small children and didn't just didn't want to work the schedule that was required. And I get it. Um, and so, uh, so they posted the job and I interviewed and then got hired. And so started with the, with the colon cancer prevention project in September of 2016. So I've been on the job like six months, maybe something like that. So tell us about the organization. It's, it's not one of the big ones that many no. of us are familiar with, but yeah. tell us about the colon cancer prevention project. Yeah, definitely. So we are, so we're based in Louisville, Kentucky and for, and we were founded in 2004. Um, and so and, and so it was started as very much a Kentucky-based nonprofit. And so Kentucky, when the organization was started, had – and we continue to have some of the worst health outcomes in the country. But uh, specifically around colon cancer, like we were 49th in the country in screening rates. Um, you know, there were just – and we were founded by a, a gastroenterologist, Dr. Whitney Jones, and he is still very active uh, with the project as a board member. And, uh, and so – you know, he was like, I'm tired of seeing people come into my office who could have, they could have prevented colon cancer if they just would have got screened on time. And so, and so what we started as was, and so we consider, so it's, our name is very intentional. So we're the colon cancer prevention. So we're not the colon cancer awareness project. We're not the colon cancer education project. We're the prevention project. And so our work is focused on prevention. And so we do that in a couple of ways. So we do uh, healthcare provider education. And so we, we offer courses, um, at hospital systems, uh, fairly qualified community health centers, uh, for doctors and nurses to get continuing education credit. So we go across the state and into other states and do these educational classes for these providers that they need. Um, and it is solely focused on colon cancer prevention. How do they improve their screening rates? We give them materials. We give them ideas. We we come with a fully formed. If you do this, you will increase your screening rates. Um, and so when the project started, the screening rates in Kentucky were 33%. And so the the most recent data we got is our screening rates are over 70% um, in our 13 year history. And we moved from 49th in the country in the country in screening rates to 20th. And so we've done some amazing work over that time. And so, the, so we do the educational piece um, with healthcare providers and direct to consumer. And then we do uh, state level advocacy work. And so we've got a very strong track record of policy change at the state level. And so we're very, like, I'm a licensed lobbyist um, with the state in Kentucky. And I spent a lot of time in Frankfurt, our capital. Um, you know, we had a couple of bills that got passed this year a, a smoking cessation coverage bill that we helped orchestrate and, um, and some other things. And so we are very active in the political side of it. And we've done a little bit at the federal level, but we feel that we are most effective at the state level. And so recently we've started expanding into other states. And so we've moved into Indiana um, and we've joined some state level 
cancer coalitions in Missouri, Tennessee, West Virginia. And so we're expanding out um, from what we do. I saw pictures posted online with you and uh, Senator Rand Paul. That was yeah, taken today? That was today, yeah. He was in Louisville today. And, uh, and so he was speaking specifically about um, the Affordable Care Act and, and you know, the replacement plan for that. And it, it was – and I was, up, I was up in D.C. last week and actually visited with his staff uh, on some legislation that we're supporting – um, but one of my questions and being a colon cancer survivor and speaking for a lot of colon cancer survivors, you know, one of the, one of the things about the Affordable Care Act is that, you know, pre-existing conditions are covered. Like you just can't, you know, and so that's a, for me, that's a very real concern. And so he answered that question extremely well and, uh, has, has some very unique ideas on, you know, what, you know, health, healthcare coverage should look like. So. Gotcha. Tell me also, uh, what are some of the things that uh, you're working on that haven't come to fruition yet, but that are priorities from a legislative standpoint? So, um, so one of the one of the things we're look we one of the things we worked on this year was a genetic counselor licensure bill in uh, in Kentucky. So we don't so in Kentucky we didn't license our genetic counselors, um, and so therefore the best genetic counselors were going to other states, um, and so. Um, so we we got that legislation passed this year, um, and so that is a precursor to a bill that we we were thinking about submitting it. And we have a we have a full time lobbyist that we have um, that works with us in Frankfurt, and so um, and so the bill we're working on for next year's General Assembly, so 2018, is um, is coverage for genetic um, genetic testing for early onset colorectal cancer. So, so for me, I got diagnosed at age 43. I went and got genetic, I went and got genetic testing. I haven't got the results back yet, but, um, but my insurance denied it. And so I had to, I had to fight that. Um, because like, I've got three boys, like I need to know if I'm, you know, carrying some, you know, genetic mutation that's gonna, you know, affect them. And so, so that's a piece where we'll be working on um, in 2018, and then something that's going to be that's going to come down the line is if you get genetic, and I can I can see it coming. If you get genetic testing done, you do have some type of mutation. How will that affect your life insurance rates or insurance coverage? Like that's going to be a fight down the line. I'm sure that we will take up. And I'm sure you'll do that well. I yeah. I know that I can hear it in your voice what a passion this is. Yeah. And, and every time I see pictures posted, you know, you do a great job. Uh, you must have had a career at some point in, in branding and marketing <laughs> because I know if I see a good-looking guy with a bow tie, <laughs> I want to say, hey, Dave Bell. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> have, you, have, have you always rocked the bow tie? <laughs> you know, the, the bow tie has been in the last five years. And, I, you know, I, I had a couple and just never wore them. And then when I moved to Louisville, whenever you move to a new town, like you get a brand new start, you know? And so, you know, moved, you know, moved to Louisville from Seattle and I thought, you know what? I'm going to wear a bow tie every single day. Like I'm new, I'm new at the downtown Y, you know, I want the, you know, we had, you know, we had you know, 6,000 members. I wanted them to remember me. Um, and so I, I wore a bow tie every day. And so, you know, it was a great conversation starter. People remembered me. And so people might not remember meeting Dave Bell, 
But if you go, oh, you, the guy in the bow tie, I'm like, yes, yes, I remember him. And so it is one of those things of like it's a it's a personal branding thing of people remember the bow tie. And so I and, and so I, I always have a bow tie on, and I usually have very colorful socks on too because that's just my thing. I love it. <laughs> well, Dave, uh, as we wrap up, the question that I know you know I, I like to ask everybody is if someone is listening into our conversation where they themselves or someone they care for was recently diagnosed, uh, what words of advice, what words of wisdom would you share with them? You know, I, and I would, we, were, we were speaking about this before we got on the podcast, but I, I think that you know, the physical part of a cancer diagnosis is very difficult, especially if you have to go through chemotherapy. Like it is very, very uh, difficult. But the emotional side of it is something that I wasn't prepared to deal with. And so I think that in the, in the more I think about that part of it and how people are carrying around, you know, whatever weight internally of like, am I sick still? Is there something, you know, like that's, I think finding whether it's a support group or a group of people that you can talk to. And I think I was, I was telling people, uh, I was in a meeting last week uh, with some colon cancer survivors. And I told them that, you know, the colorectal cancer world is the is the group of is the fraternity you never want to join, but once you're in it, it's the best thing ever. And so, being able to to connect with people who've gone through what you're going through, I think, is so important. Um, and so, that's that's what I would say is like, you know, find that group of people. And with with the way the online world works, like it is, I mean, they're there. And um, and so that would be my you know, my words of advice is, is have that support system, um, that can, that can help you with the mental aspect of a cancer diagnosis. That's great advice. You know, what do you find emotionally is, is the biggest challenge? Is it, is it all around that whole scanxiety kind of thing? It is, that's a, that's such a, it's such a difficult question and I'm not going to cry, Lee. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> uh, is that I, I, I think that's, that's definitely part of it. That is definitely part of it is that scanxiety. Um, but then it's, it's this, you know, you know, I was, you know, I'm a, I'm a runner, like I'm in good shape, you know, I'm healthy and just this idea of facing death. Like that was, that was very traumatic. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think that is that there's always this thing in the back of my mind of like, is it going to come back? Like, that's what I, that's what worries me. And so luckily I poured myself into meaningful work, which takes my mind off it a lot, but that's, that's floating in the back of my mind is, is it going to come back, you know, in some other area of my body? And I think we all know that that's a common concern, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But you've also talked about the positive of this experience. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was. I mean, I would tell anybody it's been a blessing. Um, it definitely has. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Um, but for me, it is, it has been a blessing. Um, just because of the people I've met and the work I get to do, and yeah, I mean, I, it's just, and yeah, like just, just meeting you and, and listening to the podcast and hearing other people's stories like that, 
Like I never, I never would have experienced this world had it, had I not gone through it. And so because of that, like it is, it has been a blessing. Um, yeah. From one survivor to another, I can, I can echo that and say, I, I, I totally get it and totally agree. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, Dave, I appreciate, uh, first and foremost, uh, all the amazing work that you're doing. Uh, you put it out there online. Uh, where can people find you and find uh, the Colon C Cancer Prevention Project online? Yeah, so they, um, our website is kickingbutt.org, and so you can find us there. Um, and you can kickingbutt.org. Uh, okay. Kickingbutt.org, and um, and you know on social media, just type in Colon Cancer Prevention Project. And then if you're looking for me personally, I'm at Hey Dave Bell, H E Y Dave Bell on every social media platform known to man. So that's, that's how you find me. <laughs> I can vouch for that. <laughs> well, Dave, just again, thank you for all the tireless work that you're doing. I want to wish you most importantly, uh, continued good health, uh, good scans, all those things that we all wish each other in this fraternity that nobody wants to be a part of. Right. Exactly. And, uh, and, uh, and you, you, thank you for your, the work that you're doing to make a difference, uh, for those that, uh, have been diagnosed and more importantly to prevent those diagnoses from, from increasing the, uh, the figures that you shared for what you've accomplished in the state of Kentucky are remarkable. And I know you had a major hand in that. So congratulations and thank you for all that. And I wish you all the best. Thank you, Lee. And thank you so much for your podcast. It really is. Uh, I enjoy listening every time. My pleasure. It's time for Ask the Doctor, where your questions about colorectal cancer are answered by Dr. Laura Porter. Dr. Porter is the medical advisor and senior patient advocate for the Colon Cancer Alliance. Hi, Dr. Laura. How are you today? Good, Lee. How are you? I'm doing great. So uh, probably the most asked or second most asked question is about the side effect of neuropathy. So tell us a few things. First off, what is neuropathy? How does it present itself? Uh, how can we manage through it? And is it something that we can expect will go away as soon as our treatment ends? Well, um, that's a, a really good question. And uh, neuropathy is basically, it, it's kind of the deadening of the uh, nerve endings. So um, anyone who's on an oxaliplatin has some experience with this. So initially, when you get your oxaliplatin, probably within 24 hours, maybe even 12, sometimes maybe six hours, you uh, get a extreme sensitivity to cold. So you can't drink anything cold. I know for me, I always had a hat and a scarf and gloves by the refrigerator. So um, everything I drank was at room temperature and, and that helped. So it used to be, and this was back in 2003 um, when Fulfox had, and oxaliplatin had uh, just been approved. Um, so they used to say that the side effects would go away once treatment stopped. Um, and unfortunately, that's not the case for everybody. Also, neuropathy can also develop with sensitivity and um, numbness in your fingers and your toes. Um, so this can go away, but 
it doesn't always, and it can linger for a long time. I have found personally for me um, over the past 10 years, mine has gotten to the point where it's uh, not that bad. I had 16 rounds of oxaliplatin, so that was a, a tremendous number of rounds. But um, every now and then, I still have sensitivity to cold, and my feet feel a little numb and tingly. But um, for the most part, the severe symptoms have dissipated. I know for me that after I f finished my treatment with oxaliplatin, uh, the neuropathy got worse, uh, mostly in terms of numbness. Uh, and it was just like it was time that healed it. it about six months later, it pretty much dissipated uh, almost 100% uh, just on its own. Are there any um, supplements or medications or vitamins that can be taken that help with neuropathy? Um, you know, there have been so many studies over the last uh, uh, 13 years uh, looking at different things like calcium and magnesium, will that help? Gabapentin, will that help? Lyrica, will that help? And um, honestly, there hasn't been anything proven uh, shown that does help in everybody. So, um, you know, so I think that if you're experiencing severe neuropathy, then talk to your provider about that. And there are some medications that are used for diabetic neuropathy, um, which is a different mechanism, but they may be helpful in you. And I, I think what's important here is that everyone responds differently to treatment, and therefore everyone responds differently as far as their side effects go. So what may work for me may not work for you and vice versa. So I think it's just a matter of you know, being aggressive, no matter what the side effect is. And if it is too much, then they can reduce the dose. Dr. Laura, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Lee. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast presented by Coloplast. And thank you to our sponsors, Coloplast, H2ORS, and Exact Sciences for your support. The Colon Cancer Podcast is a proud sponsor of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer. Thanks for listening to the Colon Cancer Podcast, presented by Coloplast. Notes from this episode can be found on our website at thecoloncancerpodcast.com. To subscribe to the podcast, please visit thecoloncancerpodcast.com forward slash subscribe. If you or a loved one has a question about colon cancer, please visit the Colon Cancer Alliance website at ccalliance.org. Again, that's ccalliance.org. Thanks again for listening. Be well, everyone.